This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. On Sunday, two intrepid wax techs from the U.S. ski team ventured out after the Lillehammer Norway World Cups to drive the new U.S. ski team wax truck to Central Europe, specifically Davos, Switzerland, for this weekend's races. In this impromptu and definitely unplanned podcast, I reached U.S. Wax Tech Tim Baucom on the phone as he rode shotgun on the E6 in Norway, headed toward the Swedish border crossing. Not to be left out, the driver at the time of the call was another Wax Tech veteran, Andrew Morehouse. Okay, here is the start of the interview. Hey, is this Tim? Yes, it is. Hey, Tim. Um, this is Jason. Thank you for taking the call. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Thanks so for So are you guys... Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? I mean, like, I feel like we should have re- reached out to you guys a decade ago, but it's... it's <laughs> it's. I feel like you're sworn to secrecy. Yeah. So, yeah, right. God, the connection's really good. Are you in the in the bus right now? Yeah, we're we're driving right now. We're on the E6, uh, just south of Oslo, on our way to toward the Swedish border. Well, we got we got a tip from the Canadians to just do a slow roll through, and they usually don't bother getting out to flag you down. So hopefully that works out. Um. So, so who, who is in the, if you can just kind of briefly intro yourself and, uh, what you're involved, you know, how you're involved with the U S ski team and who else is along with you? Yeah. Uh, I'm Tim Bauckham and I I live in Bozeman, Montana. I'm, yeah, this is my third year as a technician for the ski team in the world cup. So, uh, yeah, I coached in Bozeman for a while for Bridger Ski Foundation and in Sun Valley as well and then started with these guys um, and I'm with Andrew Morehouse who is also in his third year also lives in Bozeman and uh, worked for St. Lawrence University and also for Bridger Ski Foundation uh, previously well, I'm assuming you guys both have a European CDL at this point, commercial driver's license. Yeah, so we both took a actually a, just a, an American Class A CDL driver's test. So we have we have Class A interstate CDLs that uh, um, we got basically an international driving permit, which is essentially just the translation of your license into a bunch of different languages is a guide for if you get pulled over here for a, an officer or whatever to look and see what you're allowed to be driving. So we didn't actually need European licenses, but we needed to have something that would be equivalent to um, the vehicle that we have here, which was a little bit challenging because we, the, the classifications are different in the U.S., so we basically ended up getting a class A because it was easier to, to 
take a course and to have a truck to drive for your DMV test because you have to show up with your own vehicle. And outside of like applying to be a school bus driver and then bailing on them in the last minute or something, we had to basically take a course. It was pretty funny. And you guys both passed. Both passed. Yeah, we were, we took a driver's course in Montana and like a 40 year old tractor trailer truck with a million and a half miles on it. <laughs> well, where, where did you guys get your hands on that? Like did the team rent it for you? No. So it was a, it was a, this nonprofit right outside Bozeman that it's basically a, a truck driver training. It's like a career development gotcha. place that has this option. They had a truck donated from Cisco back in the day and so we we paid some money and took a 19 hour driving course and used the truck for uh for our tests a few weeks later so when you say i mean was it like a 18 wheeler rig or was it like a big u-haul yeah it was a it was a full tractor trailer 18 wheeler so this is this is like a piece of cake then yeah this this thing drives so nicely compared to I mean that, yeah. There was an old, really old truck, and you just ground the shit out of the gears every time you tried to shift. And uh, and this this thing is everything's computerized. It makes almost no sound. <laughs> no, the the engine's quiet, and uh, yeah, it's comfortable. So there was no like drawing short straws to see who drove away from Lillehammer in case you guys kind of whacked into a Norwegian wax truck or something? No, yeah. Actually, we decided Andrew's got pretty bad eyesight, so he took this daylight shift. The first half hour was in the daylight, and then the next four will be in the dark. But Well, how's it? I mean, it's nine hours. It's definitely dark right now, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's been dark since four. We're, yeah, we're how, the, how's he doing? He's doing well. The roads are well lit here, so... <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah. I just don't want to be responsible for like the last thing Matt Wickham said to me, he was like, Oh my gosh, they have like $600,000 of precious cargo. Um, (laughs) what type, I mean, I don't want to generalize here, but like what type of personality does it take to be a world cup wax tech? Cause my (laughs) image is, you know, just, I feel like the sport sort of attracts type a people anyway. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would say that probably we're a good mix of type A and type B personalities, which is, I think, help, very helpful a lot of the time. Uh, there's definitely the scientific approach and the artistic approach to a lot of the stuff that we do, and it's nice having a little bit of a mix um, in our staff, for sure. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Um Probably closer to the type B, but more maybe more middle. We're kind of yeah. I, I think I can cross over both spectrums a little bit, but I would not consider myself type A personality. And are you folks? I'm assuming, but I'll let you explain. Are you folks responsible for specific athlete skis from World Cup to World Cup or throughout the whole season? Yeah, basically we're we're assigned athletes and athletes are assigned techs uh, that we work with day to day 
Um, and that mostly means that we're, we're in charge of their fleets and have knowledge of their skis and are responsible for making their skis on race day and training day, training days, but also we, as a staff, are testing product and, and choosing waxes to test and everything um, as a staff. So it's probably a lot more teamwork, I would say, than a lot of the other staff that have maybe larger numbers. But at the same time, we do have a good personal, interpersonal relationship with the athletes that we work with just because, you know, every day are, are making skis for them and, and working with the, the industry to pick new skis and, and all that. So, so, okay, here's like a burning question. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, do you ever wake up in the morning at a world cup and you look out the window or you lick your finger and stick it out the window and you're (laughs) like, shit. Uh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I would say that we come or we encounter a lot of weather here. And so it ends up, not much of it ends up being a surprise. But yeah, we had a couple days like that last weekend in Ruka where you're just, yeah, you get there in the morning and you, it's just harder to find a place to start because it's a classic day and it's around zero. And there's some sort of station maybe, and there's really dry snow up high, and there's really wet, lazy snow in the lower parts of the course, and it's challenging. But that's it makes it fun, I think, that way. Otherwise, it'd get a little boring if it was extra blue skiing every day, at least for us. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and it sounds like this morning. In Little Hammer, it was a pretty straight up kick waxing day. Yeah, it was the classic sprint day. Um, we we had had basically rails all week, super hard tracks and really nice classic skiing. And uh, yesterday for the sprint, it got a little bit mealy, but still, still great conditions. And then today was another phenomenal day. We were yeah, everyone was on kind of blue violet hard wax all week long and yeah it's really nice okay total this is a geeky question but this you know i think i'm probably serving the clientele well um and people yeah yeah, people say thin to win in your eyes at the world cup level yeah what does that mean it's uh yeah i mean it depends on conditions but it's totally true uh you can see it especially when the conditions are a little tricky and good classic skiers. Uh, like I think Cynthia's a good example. You see him oftentimes slipping a lot, but winning races because his skis are fast and he's able to hold his form even when his kick's on a hundred percent. But yeah, I, I would say that at this level it's, very difficult to win pretty well with slow skis so then to win is a pretty good mantra like let's talk a little bit bus here or i don't know what do you guys refer to that thing as like bus wax bus wax trailer truck 
I think is the is what we've kind of been the wax truck. Yeah, we still use wax cabin over the radio a lot when we're because we're so used to that. But wax truck sure. is the what we like to call it. Yeah. Does it have a nickname? Not yet. I'm sure by the end of this drive we'll have named it though. Okay. And is there yeah. is there any <laughs> Like wax truck envy at this point from the other nations? Uh, yeah, well, most most uh, countries have come in and checked it out. The other other nations, and for sure, a lot of them are. No one's come in and been like, "Oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that." Or <clears throat> we were lucky enough to be one of the kind of one of the last bigger countries to get one, and so we had a lot of input from the Norwegians. Were really helpful in telling us what they would have done differently or something they wish they put in. And then our head wax tech, Oleg, worked really hard at, um, with the, the company, Swedish company that made it to kind of get everything dialed. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's smaller than a lot of the trucks for sure. But um, when you come in, you can just, we have the perfect amount of space for the people we have and it's really well lit well ventilated and has really good storage so i think everyone who comes in is is kind of jealous i think of how it's set up yeah um and i'm sure you got what, what time on a normal like work day do you guys have to get up for like a race morning well this weekend was particularly early uh we had to be well the, the qualifier on saturday was at eight forty-five, so we we were at the venue at 4:45 maybe or five, but that's definitely abnormal. I would say. So my question is, like, is there some super nice espresso machine built into this thing? No, that was that was definitely talked about. Oh, the espresso machine and the kegerator, I think, are going to have to be later additions. Probably uh, fundraising done by the wax staff. <laughs> well, what do you guys do for coffee? Uh, the venue's got coffee. It's it's usually pretty marginal, but we we actually have a we have a water boiler and a French press in there, so we've been making some coffee. Okay, so that's been that's been good. Okay, I mean, I'm yeah. French press is is tolerable. Okay, it is. Yeah, it's it's tough because it only makes a couple cups at a time. But in all seriousness, I feel like. I know it's probably not NNF's mandate, but it's got to be somebody's mandate to like get you guys <laughs> a pretty good espresso machine. Yeah, hmm. I would agree. Yeah, that would be that'd be awesome. Yeah, if anyone reads the article, who really wants to donate a couple thousand bucks to the U.S. waxers. Is there still space <laughs> to like have it built in? Uh, yeah. I mean, we we have a a little shelf that has kind of water and the coffee maker, current coffee maker and the boiler. And it has Sadie's flowers from uh, Saturday on it. It's a nice little countertop space. It, it can be a, an industrial sized espresso machine for sure, but. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just, I, that would be like one of my main concerns if I were ever in a position like that. It's like to be. Yeah. 
and, and I know when you're on the road, you sort of like take the lowest common denominator. And like, for me, like instant coffee is fine, but it would be nice for you guys to be treated. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we are treated well. Most venues have good setups, but you know, I'm sure that that is one thing that having some consistency in the coffee is always nice. Okay. So you guys have had a super successful, I mean, you know, Sadie's obviously had a great run the past two weekends. Uh, what does that do for the waxers morale? Yeah, it's, it's always really nice for us to start out like that. And, um, you know, the first week we were here and we were trying to figure out the truck and all that. I think once we got those first races under our belt and had some good results, it, it all kind of, it was a little bit of a sigh that we, that we had it all dialed and it seemed like, it was worth it to everybody who made the truck happen and all that. But in general, I think uh, having good results, it definitely it makes us work harder every every weekend, and it's awesome to see the athletes have that much success. How many miles are on it? Like, does the do you probably have to press a button to scroll through the windows? But does that thing have like five thousand miles? Yeah, I think there's only. Uh, not even. I think it only has like twenty five hundred kilometers on it or something. Oh yeah, kilometers. Thirty nine hundred kilometers is the is really? the official reading. Yeah, so it's very new. It unfortunately it well probably fortunately it, it governs out at ninety k an hour because that's the, that's the max speed. Yeah, that we can drive in Europe. So it. Uh, it's spent some time at 90k, but not. Yeah, we haven't rallied it yet. That's not. It's tough with the cargo in the back. <laughs> this will be our first year not being able to drive uh, 150k an hour on the autobahn. <laughs> so we'll see. No wonder it's going to take you guys like two days to get to Switzerland. Yeah, Andrew and I know each other quite well, actually. So. We're, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. That's okay. It's more, it's more time for you guys to get to know one another, one another. So yeah, we, we went to college together and then we're roommates in Bozeman. Got the same job at the same time. And you guys are good. Well, you must be good friends. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How old are you? How old are you guys? Uh, I just turned 31 and just 30. Yeah. Okay. All right. Young, lots of yeah. life ahead of you. What a cool adventure for you guys at this time of your lives. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really fun job for sure. <laughs> yeah, I got to say I'm a little envious. Um, okay, last question is for, you know, all these kids that are involved with Nordic skiing, some of them are sure, I'm sure are like, oh my gosh, like I love the wax thing. I love that mental challenge and that combo of art and science that you were talking about. What should they be doing? Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, um, I wasn't into that at all until I started doing some coaching after college. And you pretty quickly realize, I think that it's once or not the one thing, but it's the, probably the biggest thing you can do during the winter that can really help or really hurt your athlete's success. So I think if you just kind of embrace that and then, and if you enjoy it, it's, uh, 
it is, I mean, it can take you to a lot of cool places. Um, it is sort of like a mini competition inside the main competition, which makes it kind of fun. And then uh, I've worked with yeah some awesome people in this job. So the current staff in particular is just a great uh, group of people and a uh, good mix of personalities and people from different countries. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, if, if you enjoy coaching and enjoy waxing, that it is it is a really fun job and it is a good way to stay involved in a in the sport. And, well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm yeah, no sorry that it was a little bit random, but I was like, oh, yeah, I got to catch these guys on their maiden voyage here. So, hey, best of luck and. Uh, Congratulations on a great two weeks. You guys have obviously done some great work. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's been fun. And yeah, thanks for coming. It's uh, our pleasure. Okay. All right. We'll drive safely. And it's probably dark there. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We'll do. All right. Take care. Have a good evening. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Okay. You too. See you. Bye. I can imagine some higher ups on the U.S. ski team were stressing a bit. The bus wasn't due to arrive in Davos until Tuesday. I too was a bit anxious, but as far as I know, these two guys have impeccable driving credentials. Anyhow, I reached out again to Baucom on Monday for a quick check-in. It turns out the wax truck was in Germany. Yeah, hey, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Good, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I just, I thought, you know, I was uh, like, oh yeah, I should do an an update after I think Matt or someone posted some, a short little video clip of you guys like waving Bon Voyage from Little Hammer either yesterday (laughs) or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So just like a quick check-in. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you guys? Um, We're sort of by Pritzwalk. Germany, which is kind of north central, uh, yeah, headed down towards Nuremberg. So we're making our way. Okay. Not probably not the best timing, but we're figuring it out. Is there any way to like hotwire the governor on that thing? I wish. Yeah, there's. It's it sucks going by the uh, 130k signs and only being able to go 90, but yeah. Right now, we're kind of on some back roads that we are recommended to take. So hopefully, that'll that'll give us a little time. Yeah. One thing, and it's noticeable. I mean, that thing is really quiet. Like you're actually in the cab right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're driving. It's super quiet. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like an airtight chamber. I mean, like a studio. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. It's a. It's really nice. The windows are all double pane, and uh, yeah, it's got. It's, I mean, it's great. Any sketchy border crossings? No, they've been good so far. We, uh, yeah, haven't been hassled, and we had to do fill out a few things to get on the ferry to Germany that we had to dig for some tax ID numbers and that sort of thing. But um, other than that, yeah, we've been. It's been pretty smooth. I suppose you're in you're in Norway or we're in Norway. You know, you're cruising through Europe. Yeah, where skiing is a big deal. Yeah, um, are people honking anything? 
we got some stares at a gas station from people in in ski clothes uh, that I think they had been at the races in Little Hammer. One was wearing like maybe a volunteer type jacket, or uh, maybe it was just like a, a World Cup Little Hammer merch jacket or something. But um, yeah, other than that, no, we haven't haven't had any any heckling or. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So do you think for a moment at the gas station, they were sort of hoping that Eric Bjornsson would step out? Yeah, probably. I think they were looking around to see, see if we were magically transporting all the athletes in there, but yeah, pretty disappointing when it's just two just you two. scrappy bums coming out of the truck. Sounds like you guys are well on your way and like totally safe. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to probably put in a good push this evening um, and then probably get up really early, maybe five or six, and and try to get there early afternoon tomorrow. So we'll see. Okay. Though I think the Austria and the Swiss border crossings are going to be the the two that might take longer than we think. So we're going to try to plan for that and hopefully they go well but what is like what sort of beta did you get that those might be a little more thorough well we have to for both of those we have to pick up um sort of like vignettes but they're they're for truckers they're like these boxes that are basically like an easy pass type thing um and you have to apply for them and then kind of wait around and they need all the trucking id info and and then in Switzerland, you have to pay taxes on all the goods you have, and then you collect the money back when you leave. So oh we have gosh. to drive through the border. Yeah, we have to drive through the border, and we're supposed to pay a certain percentage of all the inventory that we have, and then get it back when we leave, as long as we haven't sold any of it while we were in Switzerland. Is kind of their gotcha. And so, like stuff their is reasoning. All- like you have a manifest that's like all, you know, itemized with all the contents. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's, it's obviously not kept up to date, but it's a pretty, you know, it's got pretty much everything and kind of the value of the stuff that's in there and all that. So you guys carry all the athlete skis, right? With you? Yes. Yeah. We have all of them okay. except for a pair each that they're training on t- tomorrow. So, okay. Or today. And I'm sure I'm sure some people carry more skis than others, but I remember reading something last year like Simi has like 40 pair of skate skis. So yeah, like that that, I, that must take up a ton of space on the manifest and and for sure, you know. Yeah. Weighs heavy on the taxes. Yeah, it's it's a little hard to okay. to kind of yeah keep total track of that, but we kind of. I think the manifest says like, I don't know, 500 pairs of Fisher skis. Oh boy. Whatever. 200 pairs of Rosignal skis. I think it's kind of a uh, sort of okay. general, but yeah. yeah. And it's, it's stuff that's hard to um, really put a value on because the athletes don't pay for the skis. We don't pay for them, but they're, sure. they're worth a lot of time taking in a lot of right, money to right. somebody, to the, to the companies and to the value of the market, I guess. But yeah, 
Yeah, so yeah. Did you guys crash at a hotel last night? Look, it's like you're being grilled. This is worse than like going through customs. Did you guys crash at a hotel? Yeah, we we actually found a. It was pretty pretty great hotel for it had a a big bus parking spot and uh, it was a Scandic right on the side of the highway in Gothenburg, Sweden. So we yeah, it was it was easy, which was nice. We've definitely had in the past even with the cargo van that we used to have struggled to, you know, find parking for it and stuff late at night, pulling into a hotel. So this was actually pretty nice, but I think uh, central Europe definitely is more challenging. Like Germany, I think is, we've had a really hard time um, ending up in like small alleyways. And Andrew and I stayed at a hotel that was built in like 1430 (laughs) a couple of years ago. And it had, the parking, the little back alley parking was not, yeah, conducive for our van and trailer. We had to unhook the trailer and roll it out by hand. Right. It would have been good for like a like a goat-drawn cart back in the day. I yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I want to make sure you guys are like super well taken care of because, you know, yeah, the skis are obviously... We want them in good hands. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for the update and um, continue to travel safely and don't speed. Yep. All right. Best of luck this weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Jason. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation. Nordic Nation.